0: like Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net. the I was
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton. And join me on the other line, my guy, Big Pooh. How you living today, my brother?
2: I'm living well, man. It's, just, it's a good day. Well, it's a, it's a rainy day. Down here in Charlotte, North Carolina, but it's still a good day because I'm alive. <laughs> hey
1: man, hey man, that East Coast overcast is real. It's it's a cloudy, rainy day up here in DC too. So, hey man, hey, but you know what? I can't complain though because last week it was like 70 degrees. Like we really, it was groundhog day. They said, uh, you know, the, the, the groundhog came out, he didn't see a shadow. We about to be going straight to spring. I'm like, when did
2: we have winter? Like I'm confused. <laughs> Same here. I mean, we ne- we never have a, it's not really – we don't get a strong winter here. But it normally typically always snows around my birthday, which is next week. So I'm, I'm, I am am i i got to kind of – I'm still on pins and needles about this snow thing until my birthday pass. Hey, man, I don't know. And I feel like uh, off the snow
1: day, that's like a real time to, like, step back, relax, take a couple of days, you know what I'm saying, go through an introspective journey, chill with the fam. Have some nice warm drinks like that's hey time off. like I, I feel like hey, I'm not anti the snow day movement, honestly, but I mean up in d c I don't know if we're gonna get it man it's it's been the global warming thing is real out here,
2: it's coming, it's just gonna come late, but it's coming it's, it's, hey it's man gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna hit y'all in March, hey <laughs> man, hey Shout-out to all my fellow D.C.
1: government workers out here. I could use it a couple of days off. <laughs> For sure. For sure.
2: Yep.
1: Hey, man, but uh, lovely. Man, I, got, I got you on here again so we could talk about the Wizards, man. And I feel like the first thing I want to talk about, because the Wizards were kind of in the news last week, and it's kind of been dying down and blowing over, but there's a little bit of controversy surrounding uh, this whole Bradley Bill All-Star candidacy. And I wanted to talk to you to see – where, where do you stand on this great debate of, you know, if Brad should have made the All-Star team? And really, we got to break down the aftermath of, of all of the things
2: that transpired after he didn't make the All-Star team. Uh, I thought I, I definitely, I mean, we, we discussed it the last time I was on, and I, I for sure thought he was going to make the team. But just seeing, it's almost one of them things where you see who made the team and who didn't make the team. It's kind of like, well, who do you take off? in order to put Brad on. And then on top of that, even, you know, as we was discussing pre-show, for me, just the last six, seven games, his activity level, not just his scoring, but his activity level overall has seen a bump. It's been improved. I don't know if that's because the snub. I don't know if that's because, uh, you know, he finally got his bounce back after, you know, the injury he had. But he he it's a different type of activity level, and I just believe if he if he had this type of activity level, you know during the first part of the season when they were voting, I think he would have been the shoe in. And I know me and you talk about this all the time online. Bradley Brad, even though he's scoring, he hasn't been playing at an all NBA level this season, and it's that other activity that's always been missing. You know, for me, the activity on defense, not saying you got to go out there and lock nobody down for 40 minutes a game, but just the, the activity on defense. Just be active, man. Put your hands up, you know? <laughs> yeah, put your, put your hands up. I mean, most of the Wizards is Steve on defense. Like, the, the the water be running on defense. So for, this, for sure. Like, he sets the tone for the whole team, and it's almost like it took him getting snubbed for the All-Star for him to realize On the court, like not just off the court, but on the court, you set the tone for how this team plays defensively and offensively. And I believe, I I don't have the numbers to back this up. I'm not an analytical person. I'm not a a numbers nerd. But I believe his efficiency has probably been better post-All-Star snub as well because now he's playing – it's more within the offense. I, I told you the Golden State game, I didn't even realize he had as many points as he had in the uh, going into the third quarter because it was almost like he was getting his offense so much in the flow of the game that I didn't even realize he had so many points. And when that happens, that makes the whole team better. I mean, they didn't play that well against Golden State, but that, that kind of makes the whole team as a whole better. And, and I, I just – I think him getting snubbed may turn out to be the best thing that happened to him, even though he may not see it that way, uh, because his ultimate goal should always be getting the team to the playoffs, which he vowed to do, and making All NBA. If you mm-hmm. make All NBA, it doesn't matter if you made All Star or not. That's important. exactly. And, and there's
1: actually a, a, a tangible carrot at the at the end of this. Like he's still eligible for that supermax. He mess around. I guarantee you this. If he come out and play like he's played over the last six or seven games, and and the Wizards to the AC in the playoffs, he's gonna get some All NBA votes, and he might end up making it. He might get that contract, that real big boy contract extension that that he's looking for. But I agree with everything that she said as far as you know, the the activity and the intensity level that he's played with recently. And, you know, this, I mean, it might be a blessing in disguise that he didn't make the All-Star team. You know, like, he honestly, I feel like he didn't come out at the beginning of the season and play with the same intensity, with that same, I don't know, like, with, um, that moxie that he's playing with right now. And, you know, I understand that the team went through a lot of injuries, you know, through, through that first, you know, quarter of the season going into the second quarter. But honestly, like they prove that these guys are a lot better than people on the internet are giving them credit for. And so, you know, I I, I was the first person to admit on my last podcast that you know the trio of Troy Brown Jr., Isak Bonga, and Gary Payton II actually let Brad down last game because Brad did play an efficient game while scoring 43 points. And you know those guys, uh, I actually don't have a stat sheet in front of me. I know that I know Bonga and Gary Payton didn't score at all, and I think Troy Brown definitely had less than 10. And we're talking about your three primary wing players. Like, you you can't play in today's NBA where where the 3 and D player is the most important player, and we got nothing from our guys. Like, so that wasn't on Brad. But overall, Mm -hmm. as far as the team performance goes, you know, I feel like that the reason why it it really – it all comes down to the fact that, okay, Brad, he signed back here, and he's like, all right, if we're not going to be making the playoffs, at least let me, you know, go ahead and be uh, all-star eligible and and you know uh, try to try to get my name out there get more recognition and i feel like that kind of hurt him like personally the fact that he looks up and he sees himself uh ninth in fan voting as far as you know the, the all-star voting from from uh you know the fans and, and, but he was second amongst the players and now i know a lot of the players like to give a lot of credence uh to the player vote you know guys like Luke Babbitt get player votes so you know I, that that's a whole other story for another day but I do believe that Brad has the respect amongst his peers. But, you know, ultimately it came down to the coaches making that decision. And, you know, they seem to value winning a lot more than they have in the past. And, you know, that that really kind of hurt Brad this time around.
2: I, I think, you know, and, and and you can't at this point, you know, he's, he's been in D.C. for this is seventh, eighth year. And you can't still be naive to the fact that you play in a market that doesn't get a lot of television games. And because you're not on a lot of national TV games, I believe they only have like one this year. One, Had exactly one. one. Had one. It's and already over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, already over. So you play on a team that doesn't get a lot of national exposure. Therefore, the fan vote isn't going to be on your side. Um it, it, it just isn't. It, it hasn't been. So, you know, you have. I mean, I mean, it's people who are amazed at how well Kimber Walker plays because he was in Charlotte all them years and nobody ever saw.
0: And exactly he's the
2: same way. So that that you you had to know that was, you know, that was going to be working against your favor and returning. And like you said, I believe him. Just shooting as all star as one of his goals kind of was to his detriment at the beginning of the season, and now I feel like he's playing the way that we expected him to play all season. And it's one of those things where it was too many nights, I felt, in the first half of the season where you're looking on the court and you're saying to yourself, Brad should be the best one or two players on the court right now, not just your team, the court. Mm-hmm. In the game, and he didn't play like it, and that hurt him. Losing four games against Orlando, that gonna hurt you. <laughs> like you should be out there dominating Orlando.
1: Dominated that Orlando. That's yeah. Like that Orlando series. That's the, like they lost four times to Orlando. The four games to Orlando. The two losses to Chicago. Like that one loss on the road to Charlotte. That's seven games right there where they did not bring it, and like. You know, even if they win, even if they go five hundred over those games, they go better than five hundred. Four and three over that seven game stretch that puts them in a, a much higher regard and much better contention. They'd actually be in the playoffs, like if they handled those games. Like I, I'm, I'm with you. You see the same thing that I see, and I feel like Brad is honest. This is how I know that Brad is honest. And like, because after the games, this is something that happened after he got snubbed from the All Star. You know, Brad, when, when when situations get tight and he knows that he's going to get tough questions, he's not really uh, willing to stand up and answer those tough questions, not like at least John Wall was. And, and like, he he, man, he bailed out after after uh, the game Thursday because he didn't want to talk about it. And so, like, after those games earlier in the year where he know that, okay, they losing games to Orlando. That, that Chicago game where they blew a 17-point lead with four minutes left, like, Brad, you know, he, he, he does he's not willing to stand up and, and, and be uh, responsible for his role and why the team isn't succeeding in the way that he wants to. And so, I you know what, I think that a lot of that is a part of his growth and development because, just like you said, on the court, he's growing and developing into this guy who is the guy offensively, and he's seeing the double teams and the traps from uh, opposing teams. But also off the court. You have to be that guy who's going to stand up and answer the tough questions and take responsibility. That That's all a part of being a star player, of being a franchise player. So, but like I said, to his credit, he's still young. He's 26. He's still learning. And I know that Brad, his head is in the right place. He's he's frustrated just like the fans are frustrated. And he might have expressed it in a different way uh, than, than Wizards fans could be happy about, you know, the, the culture comments. But the more thing that I'm concerned about afterwards was uh, his the comments that came from his agent Mark Bardstein, where he essentially said that he, Brad was penalized because he went back to a situation where he knew it was going to be bad. I mean, and basically insinuating that his teammates aren't good and that the voters shouldn't take that out on him. Like that, that causes more discourse than it does help. And I I don't know what what Brad what Brad's role in that was. Um, I don't know. I know that he didn't talk, so the people that were talking for him were Kamaya. And uh, Mark Bartle saying, "Shout out to Kamaya because hey, everybody needs somebody on their team to ride for them. How Kamaya rode for Brad that night? So that's yeah, Kamaya.
2: Kamaya rode that thing. Like I mean, them two, them that night, she was going in on everybody about that one. Um, yeah, and, and and that's what she's supposed to do. So hey, you know what? I I'll I have
1: no problems, zero problems with what she did." The Mark Bottles thing I think is different because he's actually a, a legal official. He's an agent. You know, he has other clients. He has other things going on, other dealings, and really, he knows what he's doing. He's a veteran. That was a power play right here. And, and like, like, so if you go to the summer, if you go to next year, he's going. He start. He's laying the trail right now to let you know that Brad could be unhappy about certain situations, certain things that are going on.
2: I think you. I think you made a good point on 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 Twitter. I, I caught it, and uh, I I knew we were going to do this show, so I didn't want to talk to you about it on Twitter. But I I think that that was that was a power play uh, for many in many ways, and one of them I think was letting putting everybody on the Wizards on notice, i.e., John Wall, that this was definitely brass team now, mm-hmm. and 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 we're gonna we're gonna. The Wizards are going to move how Brad wants them to move, Um, even when you come back. Because, you know, the the talk has been – obviously we know he's not going to play this year, or or not at least until the end of the year. But, you know, everybody's been seeing the videos of John coming out, practicing, the four-on-fours, the the dunking, the warming up. And I think that was a a thing of, you know, letting – Everybody know who, who wields the power in the organization now. And I just think that they put too much stock into this All Star thing. Um I, I, I just it's always something bigger for you at the end of the season. All NBA is worth more in status than all star. Uh making the playoffs is worth more in status than all star. So I'm just like, yes, it would have been nice for Brad. I know it would have been to, to, to get that recognition. But you still have a lot to play for. So this big – this huge blow-up about not making the All-Star team was it, – it was just like a thing where I was like, wow. I, I I understand you being upset you didn't make it. I mean, you and Devin Booker are one of the only two players in 35 years to score as many points as you scored and not made – the uh, average as many points as you average and not make the playoff. I mean, not make the All Star game, but to to have it be go on for almost a whole week. That just felt like a bit too much for something that is nice, but it's not important to what you're supposedly trying to build as a team in an the organization. Um, that felt a lot like me culture, and not we culture, <laughs> which you're trying to build. In the, in the Wizards organization to me. Yeah.
1: Now, hey, and you, you hit the nail on the head, and this is something that, you know, I can uh, actually state for a fact that, you know, people within the organization sat down and they talked to Brad about that. So, you know, I don't know the exact specifics of, you know, what is the conversations, but, you know, after those Chicago comments and that, like, there there was a, a, a leadership moment, a conversation between that took place at least between uh, Scott Brooks and Bradley Bill and, and uh, Tommy Shepard and Bradley Bill about, you know, what, what they expect from, uh, you know, a leadership standpoint from Brad. And, you know, Brad, like, he was, you know, completely willing to back uh, back away from the comments that he had. Like, I, I don't think that he, needed, he meant it in a malicious intention at all. But like you said, this is a, a lot of me culture instead of we culture. And I think that that's probably some of the things that has kind of corrupted what the Wizards have been doing uh, in the past. And when, you know, culture is literally the biggest word. We didn't, you know, come up with this. You know, this is something that Ted Leonson stated when he fired Ernie Grunfeld in the press conference last uh, April. Like, they were talking about changing the culture. And for the most part, uh, for the most part from a, a macro standpoint, they have changed the culture. But at the end of the day, you know, Brad is, he's the one who moves the needle right now. And so if they're not lock, step, and key with what Brad wants, then I feel like, you know, there, there could be some issues that could arise. And so that that kind of leads into, it's a perfect segue here, leads into the next segment of what should the Wizards do or what can they do in this upcoming trade deadline tomorrow? So I, I'm going to take a quick break right now, Big Pool. And on the other side of that, we're going we're gonna to take a look at the Wizards and the trade deadline and, and what they could possibly do to make Brad happy or if that's even something they should be doing.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: All right, now Big pool, man. What well, I feel like uh, th- there's been a, a lot of chatter around the Wizards uh, when it comes to the trade deadline over the last couple of days. I know that uh, Brian Windhorst kind of set Wizards Twitter ablaze when he just very casually uh, mentioned that the Wizards were looking into Tristan Thompson. And so, you know, I, I did my own digging. That, that actually happened to be uh, the the Golden State game was that night. So I do what I normally do. I go to the arena. I get there two hours early. I walk around and I just try to talk to as many people uh, that I can, whether whether it's the ushers who, you know, are serving beers or, or, or you know, the, the the assistant general manager or whoever, just trying to talk to people. But uh, I, I talked to a couple people who uh, were in the know, and basically all they told me was on that was, yeah, they inquired about Tristan Thompson. So that aspect, you know, of that rumor was true. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that, you know, the team is uh, – uh, solidify and looking to do. I think that there, this is a very layered transaction that would have to happen. And, uh, you know, I don't know, just from a basketball standpoint, what do you think about that rumor of the team possibly trading for Tristan Thompson?
2: I can see the appeal um, from a basketball side uh, just from Tristan Thompson's game. He does all of the dirty work, and that's mm. something the Wizards don't have uh is is a is a low is a a front court player who does all of the dirty work um thomas bryant is more of a offensive player uh mo wagner he 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 tries his heart out but he's he's not there yet you know still young still learning and i just think Tristan thompson would bring uh rebounding at a at a high rate he would bring Better low post defense, uh, protecting the paint, and also something that's very important—he will bring the screen game back to Washington. Exactly, since uh, Martin Gortat. So I can see from a basketball standpoint how Tristan Thompson would appeal to the Wizards, and he's still young. Like people forget, like he's not even thirty years old yet. So exactly, I can. I I definitely can see the appeal of a Tristan Thompson. My only thing would be what, you know, that's definitely a move that you're making to let's just see what we can do with this this year, because I'm not like, are you going to resign Tristan Thompson at the end of the year? Like that's just taken away from Mo Wagner and uh, what you hope Mo Wagner and Thomas Bryant developing too. So, it's just one of them things where I definitely recognize the, the immediate on-court appeal of a Tristan Thompson coming to the Wizards. I just don't see how it, like, what would be the long-term play here? I know that I see the short-term, but what would be the long-term play with adding a Tristan Thompson? All right,
1: so I'm, I'm going to give you my insight on what I believe that the Wizards believe is that benefit or the long term play here so it it's really it's uh it, there, there's there's different types of uh uh you know n b a like speculation so you have a lot of like the discourse around who's going to get traded and all this stuff but then there's also like there's this like spreadsheet game that I myself am not a master of but when you start lining up the salary cap and cap holes and bird rights and all of these different things, all these different mechanisms, like that, that's a whole another game that is going on—the game within the game. And I feel like there are certain general managers and front offices who have kind of mastered that game, and that gives you an advantage. And we know in this sport, anything that gives you an advantage, you know, is ultimately good for your team and, and will put you on the right trajectory. So the, the benefit that I'm getting from this situation would be that if you trade – basically, this is like an early – it would be if they were – hypothetically, if they were to trade for Tristan Thompson, this would be like an early free agent move. So instead mm. of going out and signing a free agent, uh they, they're basically trading for this player, and they are acquiring the player and also his bird rights, which allows them to go over the salary cap to re-sign a player that's already on your roster. So, you know, and this is where, like I said, and it's a layered situation because – you know, I was looking, I'm like, okay, who, who's uh, Tristan Thompson's agent? Because the biggest thing here is going to figure out if, if they're able to work a, a backdoor handshake deal with the agent to say, all right, Tristan Thompson right now, he's making $18 million. If he's looking at his marketplace right now, he knows they're like, all right, man, he's not about to get no $18 million on the market right now for this summer. If he got a team that's willing to give him, you know, on million, four years, $36 million, or, you know, maybe something slightly above that 8 to $10 million range and a commitment and a place, that he knows that he's going to be able to play. I think that that might be something that you is worth looking into. And even if the Tristan Thompson thing doesn't work out on a basketball front for the Wizards specifically, it, it gives you another contract, another tradable asset that you could possibly use this eight million dollar, eight to ten million dollar contract that you could possibly use in a future deal. You know, when, whenever it is that you want to make a major change that's going on. So, like I said, it's a real small move. If, if there's a pizza pie, man, we, we nibbling on the crust. We're not even, like, really eating the crust. We, we like when we talk about these type of fringe moves that they're thinking about. But, I mean, it, I don't know. They, they're not working with a lot. You know, there's, I, I know they've been trying to showcase Mahimi as far as playing him a lot of minutes. And I believe that there are some teams who would have some interest in Mahimi. not at that uh,
2: fifteen million dollar uh, rate right now. Yeah, that's but, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. That $15.5 exactly million dollar uh, it, tag that come with them. And, exactly. And then, and then even, even in Mahimi, like who, what comes back? Because you're gonna have to bring something back. It's not it's not teams out there with that much cap space that's gonna take Mahimi on. So. It's just going to be able to swallow him up into their cap space, so it's almost like what what comes back, and unless it's like you said, unless it's a thing of the Wizards looking forward and saying, "Hey, these fringe trades need to be need to play out like our free agency, to where we bring in the Tristan Thompson." And, you know, we, we may, you know, move somebody else and bring in somebody else to look at. And then, obviously, we know we're going to re-sign Bert, Bertans and then John Wall comes back and then we get a draft pick and that's how the agency. It was, I mean, I, really, that's a 10-man rotation right there. Right? <laughs> that's that's your rotation. So I would understand those moves definitely make sense. Um, but I, I just I definitely feel, like you said, they've been showcasing Mahimi. And to to my surprise, since mahimi has been back off injury, he's act. This is the best he's played in the Wizards uniform. I mean, um, like hands
1: down, like he actually looks decent, man. <laughs> like he you know, looks uh,
2: decent. He Philly Philly came decent.
1: into town, uh, and B went against him. I'm like, yo, this man Mahimi, like standing up on Embiid uh, right now, like in the paint, blocking a shot, like standing tall. I'm like, I'm Boston. If I'm one of these teams, I'm looking at like. Yo, if he was on the buyout market, that's the thing. If you on the buyout market, oh, you give him like two mil prorated for like thirty something games playoff tech, oh yeah, that's love. But not off that fifteen million dollar tag. It's gonna be like hey, it's gonna be hard, man. And, and that's the thing. Uh Cleveland, they want a little bit more compensation than I think the Wizards are gonna be willing to give up. And and that's smart. They shouldn't give up any compensation. If they could if they could trade, you know, one one of them picks that one of them extra picks they got last summer, cool but other than that like I'm not with no giving up no first round picks or even one of our younger players like a Isak Banga like a uh you know Mo Wagner those are those are the guys who are on cheap contracts but you know we we need to really be developing those guys and, and a part of developing it is playing them so what what, what, what do you expect them. to see from the young Wizards coming up for the rest of the season and, and let's throw Rui in there too cuz you know he's back from his uh You know, his injury, he's ready. He looked good in his first game. What what do you expect from the young kids?
2: I think that once the trade deadline passes, everybody gets a little comfortable as far as knowing, okay, at least I know I'm going to be here. And I I think for the Wizards, and this is something that, and and it's funny, like Scott Brooks has bad rotations even in NBA 2K, which I found out last night. His rotation is horrible, <laughs> even in the video game. Oh, my but, goodness. But uh, <laughs> he he has to – the Wizards have to figure – like Tommy Shepard got to have a real conversation with Scott Brooks because Scott does things that have you scratching your head, like starting Thomas Bryant and Mahimi. Like
1: Yeah. I mean he did that for so many guys. I'm like, yo, I, I didn't know like, I'm trying I, I don't know. I am i do not know i i am confused. Man. Well, yeah,
2: well why why would you ever do that? Then you have, you know, just just trying to trying to figure out 'cause I know everybody now that everybody's coming back off injury. The rotations are are you know, shaping out a little differently. Uh, you know, the young guys had got accustomed to playing because that's all he had. So they, they were out there. They were able to work through their mistakes. Now he's back to old Scott Brooks where you make a mistake, you pull him. So mm-hmm. he has to allow them to work through the mistakes that they're going to make because they're young. Isaiah Vong is 19, so he has moments where he plays very good one game and then he has a game at, like, Golden State. Like, you're going to have those moments. Troy Brown will go from – he has those moments where you're like, okay, I, we found out who the real Troy Brown is, to, oh, man, he, he threw up a dud this game. And, and, and it's all about them. You have to allow them to get comfortable in whatever roles that you're going to give them. And if Troy Brown is going to be your sixth man or seventh man, you have to allow him to be that and mm-hmm. not yo-yo him around. And – and then and then if you're gonna have Bonga as your you want him to concentrate on defense and get more confidence and, you know, off you gotta allow him to play through that. Hey, if he burned through five, six fouls in the game, okay. You know, we're exactly. we only he, him for he, much. Exactly. <laughs> he only he
1: only gonna play eighteen minutes anyway. Like, so what if he gets three fouls? Why are we pulling him out if he gets three fouls? Like that like that's not
2: important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, run through that. So yeah. I just think that they have to continue like I said, it's it's a fine balance of you always play to win, but you also have to allow your young guys to develop. I think Roy is going to be fine once he get back into the flow of playing because he's been out so long, and Bogner is going to be fine because they were playing very well before they you know before they went down with injuries. So I think once they you know really you know rev back up and get back into a flow, they're going to be fine. Uh, you know, we love the bertans Wagner combo. Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I,
1: no, but, go ahead. No, I was going to say, there was actually a lineup that Scott Brooks pulled out the other day, and I wasn't too mad at it. He, he rocked out with uh, Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, and Bertans. And, like, he only played it for, like, maybe, like, a minute and a half. I'm like, okay, this is a big lineup that I could get with because, you know, you got two, you got a you got young guy, young big, they out here moving. But, you know, and if one, really what happens is, uh, teams draw out the big, and then it'd be all littles in the paint, and then we giving up all the boards. But if we got multiple bigs on the floor, but if it's not not Mahimi and Bryant, but if it's Mo and Bryant and Bertans, like we got three dudes over six ten on the floor, like just by boxing people out, we should be able to rebound better. Like you know, I kind of like that. So if that's if that's the type of creativity that Brooks is going to wind up going into, then you know I could be with this. And, You know I know like, like I, said, I know for a fact that they were showcasing Mahimi. Like you know, said so that a lot of a lot of the reason why he's been playing recently, going into the trade deadline, is because you know they got to have some game film out there for the teams that, if they want to sell them. That you know, the, and I, I get hey, you know, the, the fact that they even got the Tristan Thompson rumor off the ground because that was going Mahi was going to be going out, you know, in that possible deal. And hey, who knows that might still happen. But you know, he played well enough that you know, like it, it, we, they might get a biter. Or, 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 try, or try to trying to get Mahimi. I'm trying
2: If he didn't have that $15.5 million contract, he'd be gone already.
1: Of course, of course, man. If but it, otherwise... If it was
2: 12. If it was, eight, was eight, if it was
1: 12, they, they, they could get him... Like, hey, that, that 15 is, is tough. It's tough to eat for another team. But, hey, man, I think that after this trade deadline, we'll see a, a, a different rotation from uh, Scott Brooks. Because, you know, there's no more incentive to showcase these other veterans. I think that... You know, we'll we'll see a little bit more Troy Brown uh, playing, handling the ball. We'll see Bonga being able to play and work through his mistakes. You know, I, Rui, trust me, yeah, they they got the whole campaign behind him. He's going to All Star Weekend, and Brad not out there. But you know, they're gonna make the Wizards as a team. They're gonna make more money from Rui being at All Star Weekend for that Rising Star game than they would for, with Brad being there anyway. So
0: the they're
1: gonna have all the coverage of that, trust me. And we got the Tokyo uh, Olympics coming up this summer. You know, Rui's a hot commodity right now when it comes to the marketing dollars and, and what he's going to be able to do, you know, for the league. And, uh, they, hey, the Wizards, they go going, to, so expect to see a lot of him. But the greatest thing is that he can back it up a little bit, man. I, I kind of like Rui, man. What, what, what have been your thoughts about what you've seen from Rui, you know, pre injury? Uh, it, it actually sucks that Bunga, you know, what I'm saying, kicked my man in the nuts and literally, like, took him out for a month like that. <laughs> like, yeah. like that hey, I feel bad like that, like that that's the best way to put it for real. This how you know it's uh, like that, because they didn't even put a PR statement about it. He had it like Rui just had a procedure and nobody talked about it, but everybody it's to everybody knew so, you know, hey, yeah, yeah, that that sucks, man. But hey Rui's still here, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh I I I actually I was impressed by Rui. Um I remember hearing uh Fran Freshilla talking about Rui. Uh, this, was, this was leading up to the draft. And he was talking about that was one of his sleeper picks. And a lot of people didn't really, you know, they weren't high on Rui because he, you know, how he progressed throughout his time at Gonzaga and the fact he was at Gonzaga and just how he was still developing because he, he came to basketball a little later. And so, but Frank Fischella was really high on him. So when the Wizards picked him, I was like, okay, okay. I remember Fran Fischer talking about him, but his athleticism is way more than I thought it was. Uh, he's way more athletic than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the mid-range game locked down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, building confidence in his three-pointer. He can he can board, and he tries on defense. He still needs to learn how to play defense, but at least he gives some effort. And so. I think that Rui can end up developing into his his early comp. I, I heard a lot of people saying he was like a uh, a version of um, Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi Leonard first came into the league. Yeah, now, that's
1: that, that, that's crazy talk, man. For real, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I don't I, I don't know if he's gonna develop into what Kawhi is now, but uh, but I, I just I think he has a very good game that works. That will work well when John get back just because he he can hit open shots, he knows how to cut and find his way to the basket, but you don't have to feed him the ball thirty times a game. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Like he can he can definitely get his within the Florida of offense and be fine. And he's somebody that's athletic enough to run with the Wizards how they want to run. So I've been very impressed with Rui. Um I'm 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 interested and, obviously, I'm fast-tracking here. I'm interested in to where he goes this summer as far as his development. And I know a lot has happened in this summer for him. So, uh, you know, get a little stronger, stretch your game out to the three-point line to become a little bit more efficient out there. But I, I think that was a great, great pick on the court and off the court for the Wizards because the better Rui gets, the more attention that's going to bring to the Wizards because... Of the whole Japanese um, lineage that he has, and and I just think that they will be wise to make sure that they're doing everything they can. As long as as long with Rui doing everything he can to make sure that he's improving his game and, and he has that nice jump from year one to year two. Because obviously this year it's all about learning. You're you're learning the speed of the game. You're learning how physical players are. You're learning what you're really good at, what you what you really need to work on in that first year, and you're playing on the team. You're getting ample playing time because you're playing on the team that wasn't expected to do much. So yeah, and I, and
1: you're the and you're the number one marketed player on the team too. So yeah, you're gonna play like try, like that's like people you're going to play understand in this aspect. Like yeah, like this is Rui Rui's guy. He got really a foothold. Brad his his run. Brad's run as being the guy of the franchise might be very short lived. Honestly. Because, you know, Wall has been the guy all the way up until this year, and he's the band this year. But, I mean, Rui, Rui's, Rui's getting so much love. Like, Rui's going to play, be playing in the Olympics this summer. Brad's not playing the Olympics this summer. You know, like, that's – like, this. Yeah, I know that yeah, it's a whole different thing with the international stuff, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, Rui, the way that they treat him within the organization, but to Rui's credit, man, he has backed it up with everything on the court, with the how he's handled himself – all the pressure that he's getting. Like, he's a 21-year-old kid himself, and, like, he's going to the games. They literally got the black curtains up because they're taking pictures with, you know, the ambassadors, Japanese ambassadors and dignitaries before every game. Like, he has, you know, PR obligations that go well beyond the court, and he handles himself like a complete professional, you know, talking in English and Japanese. Like, you know, Rui's the real deal, and he works on the basketball court too, and it's very unfortunate that, you know, he had that fluke injury where, you know, like – he literally, he literally took one you know, what I'm saying, to the groin, and he was out for a little while. But I feel like the things that he does well, he, he made, he's proven that he can do that. He, that translates from the college game to the NBA. And honestly, like with how they view him and as far as the defensive, the instincts, and really just getting his basketball IQ up, his basketball instincts, I feel like they're dealing with a player who has a blank canvas because he really hasn't played that much basketball. He wasn't tainted by the AAU culture. And, you know, I know Mark Cuban, he'll love this, you know, segment of the podcast, but, you know, I think that there actually is something to there because I'm in DC and I see how the AAU culture works. And I, see it like when they, see, when they get the kids, you know, they're in fourth grade, they you know, 10 and under, 11 and under, they already know who the best kid's going to be that's going to be putting them on the track. And you play a certain way, you coach a certain way, you know, going up through that AAU circuit. Like, Rui doesn't have any of that. He don't have any bad tendencies. He just go out there, play, he do what they tell him to do, and he try to get better at it every day. So that's a player, like, sometimes you have to bet in people. And, I honestly, I believe that a lot of the reason why Tommy – pick Rui is because he's batting in the person. And Rui's gonna try and he's got the physical tools. Like he literally that the physical comp as far as height, wingspan, hand size, that Kawhi Leonard thing is actually valid. Like they're literally like the same size. Like Rui's a legit six eight, like six eight and a half. He might still be growing, you never know. Like he's he's a big dude, athletic like guy. Like he is he is he's the real deal when I see him up close in person. So I, I've been impressed by that pick and you know, I am I'm I'm just I'm just happy that Wizards Twitter is coming around too, because, you know, a lot of people want to Cam Reddish and you know, but when, when you see Cam out here, you oh, know, although boy. Cam's playing better now, but yeah, man, with Cam, Man, he shooting five percent and thirteen percent for a month and I'm like, yo, like what's going on with this dude? But I, I, I honestly believe that Rui was the right draft pick and so that that that's the type of thing that the Wizards need to be doing if they want to you know, if they take we. They've already decided the the trajectory that they're going. There ain't gonna be no rebuild. They're gonna retool. They got Brad and they got John coming back next year. And I'm gonna say this: John looking good. Everybody who betting against John, like I said, we talking about people here. People betting against John. I don't know if you going I don't know if you gonna be happy with the result of that because John looks amazing <laughs> right now. Like yo, he yeah, he looks better than he ever I've ever seen him like as far as like the working out stuff right now. He's like he's on a he's on a
2: mission right now, so we'll, we'll I think, see. I think I think the thing for John is, is and this is something that I always worked in John's favor is he 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 feeds off people counting him out, and mm-hmm. the amount the amount of talk of you're not gonna return to the level you were at. I'm pretty sure he he was reading all of it, and and he want to come back, and I, and I'm and I'm also pretty sure even though I know him and Brad are good and you know, this brass team now, you know, that's that's I'm pretty sure he wanna come back to remind everybody, like, right, I'm still the guy. Like no, right, for sure. You know, it, it it may be Brad's team in theory now, but I'm still the guy. And, for and sure. I'm pretty sure that's on his mind as well. Yeah,
1: John John's gonna let his play do the talking, man. So you know what, I, I honestly like, hey as far as what they do right now, if they make that Tristan move, like I trust that they're going to do it under the right circumstance that it'll work out in the long run. If they make some other move, if they're able to trade Mahimi's contract, that would be a miracle, and I'll tip my cap to Tommy. Uh, if they if they smarten up and maybe take a second-round draft pick for, you know, a guy like Jordan McRae or, uh, shit, man, if somebody come in asking for IT, man, you got you take whatever, man, like draft rights to a dude in Europe who's <laughs> drafted at 03, like, yeah, man,
2: whatever. Give me what. Ever, before. whatever. And, and, and I, I've I've been sitting here, I've been sitting here thinking about that McCray thing, and I, I I think I agree with you. I think I think if they can get a second round something asset whatever or even a young flyer, I, I think I'll make that move because as much as I, I I you know McCray can get buckets and you know I I think that they can find what McCray provides.
0: Oh, they already got they, it. They,
1: Trust me. No, they got it. My man Garrison Matthews, they coming up in the G League. Oh, they, they got it. He He's 22. He I'm telling you, he's going to be an NBA player. Trust me. Like, they, they keeping him in hiding right now, too, because they don't want to have to pay him that money. They got him on that two-way, but they, it's going to work out. They got their replacement already.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I would definitely take – McCray would be – I would I would take a flyer on another young guy or – um. You know, possibly a young a young point guard, something. I would take a flyer on something. I mean, From look, just get a, get
1: a, get an asset. Look, it's a it's an asset. Uh, you know, merry go round. So you giving up? We got one asset going out to get Tristan Thompson. Hypothetically, you know, trade off McCray, get that asset back. So that boom, get right? that asset back. Exactly.
2: exactly. You exactly. know, what I'm saying
1: do do that. that sounds something like, like. So I'm gonna see how Tommy's going Working out, I know. Hey, I know that they're trying right now. They, but hey, they, 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 they don't have much because all their real stuff is off the table. They not about to trade Troy Brown. They are not about to trade Burtons. They are really not about to trade Thomas Bryant unless it's part of a bigger trade. But I don't see people. People talking about that Miles Turner stuff. I don't think Miles Turner is available. Like from what I'm hearing, from I got you know some people I I, I trust in the Indiana market. You know they're telling me that you know from what they're hearing, Indiana is about to tool up and, and try to and go for it this year, and they owe it to themselves and their fans to do that. Why not? You know they got Oladipo coming about. That you know they got Turner, they got Sabonis, they got Brogdon, they got some players. They why why trade? You haven't even seen what they could do yet, so they have no incentive to just trade away. So I don't like any rumor of Turner being traded. I just don't believe that. Now this summer that might be different, but you know I, I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, I you know I think this, and and you can tell you know Thomas Bryan has picked up his activity as of late as well on the on the, on the defensive end. Well, I mean, you um, know, he
1: also uh, he they also just announced today it was a practice that he had uh, a reaction to that to that foot injury that he had. So he's going to be out for this weekend's games. So it's two games, two home games. They play the uh, Mavericks on Friday and they play the Grizzlies on Sunday. So he's he's out for both of those games already. Uh, because so you know we hey, we not gonna get the chance to see, but hey, that's a bigger opportunity for for Mo to come out here and do his thing. I, and I, I like what I've been seeing with Mo. So and we
2: he's another player that we got for nothing. So at the very least, that gives Mo the chance to get back in the game shape because um, he was out for a long time as well. So no, nah, I, I I I agree with you though. I, I definitely know they're gonna be operating around the fringes if if they're operating at all, you know, maybe find their way into another three-team deal or something. And that's just what I expected. I didn't expect much action for them at the trade deadline just because, like you said, they don't – everything that's of value to them is off of the table, um, at least until this summer when they kind of know what they have and what they don't have and who they want to move forward with. Exactly. So, yeah, that's the thing. It's a wait-and-see game, but, man, hey,
1: Big Poop, man, you're, you're the real deal because you come on, man, you just don't get a crazy fan take. you breaking it down from a from a logical, mental perspective as far as how the team is moving. I, hey, I love that aspect of of you and how you operate on Twitter, man. Hey, people, every time I tweet something out, they're like, yo, Big Poop from D.C., people, he from the DMV. I'm like, yo, yeah, he a representative. Y'all rep in North Carolina,
2: but the DMV will always be represented, man. <laughs> Always, always, man. I, I just, like, I tell people all the time. I love. I mean, I love sports, but you know, and I have my favorite teams. But I always try to look at it from a logical sense and not, you know, the biased fan, you know, fan sense. You know, even though it's it's tough sometimes, but you still got to kind of look at things from, you know, a, a, a forward-thinking view and unbiased view. And when you do that, it's when, when you do when you look at your team in that way. When your team makes certain moves you're not personally affected by it because you understand what this is because it, it is still a business. It's
0: exactly. A business. It's,
1: it's, <laughs> hey, oh, it's a lot of business. Hey you, hey, for, hey, you know it. Come on. You you in the music business. So it, it's it's the same thing. Same principles apply, man.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, but uh, Pooh man, I greatly appreciate you for coming on, man. Hey, I want to give you this opportunity, you know, go ahead, you know, promote, pump anything it is that, That you working on, man? Hey, I I know, I know the people still out here listening, uh, man. man, People, people really, really show love. I threw an event uh, a couple weeks ago up at Half Smoke in DC, and everybody—it was like literally like a couple of days after the podcast you came on—and everybody literally said, "Yo, I didn't know Big Pooh was a was a Wizards fan. That's crazy." So yeah, hey, you 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 you're you're rising in the ranks of of Wizards Twitter too on the love.
2: (laughs) Nice, nice, man. Uh, yeah, man. Once again, y'all can check me out on Twitter and Instagram, Rapper Big Poo. Um, I'm always talking or prefer to always talk sports on Twitter as opposed to anything else. But that's Rapper Big Poo. Everything's spelled correctly. Uh little brother album out still right now. Made a little watch. We got a couple of visuals coming. Um, hopefully next month. And then check out my artist that I manage, Luke, L U T E. He signed to Dreamville slash Interscope, and he just dropped his first single, G-E-D, Getting Every Dollar. Make sure y'all go check that out. Um, And, and if you like it, please support it. And, yeah, yeah, until the next time Troy calls me up, man, thank y'all for everything.
1: Hey, man, you already know, but hey, G-E-D, Get Every Dollar, I like that. Man. I'm going to have to go uh, spend that as soon as I get off of here, man. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, man. Right. Hey, but Pooh appreciate you, man. Hey, we, we we gonna see, we gonna talk to you on the on the Twitter sphere tomorrow. And we like about eighteen hours away from trade deadline, we'll, we'll see how this all sh- shakes out, man.
2: Yes, indeed.
0: since I was a fetus Young PG legend like Gilbert Arenas Now I'm chilling back, giving advice I buy my girl shit, it don't matter the price They see that I'm taking, they try getting pants Label money, I just tell in advance I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance She just trying to have me up in the trance I'm in a striker like bucket. They just trying to make some buckets Love when I slap down my ones, But it bounced like a ball when I struck it So if you ever see a real nigga like me Just let them live and just be how it be Go to the club with them two and you'll see With a J, we'll be on the same team I want a ball I like the Wizards Yeah, you know what I mean when I'm blue, on the net. Girls, you shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean, teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, on the net. Girls, you shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean, teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring.